Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit BiteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Elaine Clayton, and we'll be talking about her work as well as her new book, The Way of the Empath, How Compassion, Empathy, and Intuition Can Heal Your World. To be an empath is an art form, to discover how our perceptions guide and inform us, shape us, and at times limit us, requires extraordinary awareness. It, is also, it also requires the skills and strength of a lion because it takes real courage to be empathic. The good news is that there are ways to protect yourself while living with an open heart, and this book shows you how to use creative visualization for that purpose. The Way of the Empath explores ways to understand empathy, how to use mystical, spiritual, and imaginative insights to better understand our place in the universe. You'll learn how to see the unseen and to welcome the, the mysteries of life through psychic events and fun encounters. Elaine Clayton is a teacher of intuitive empathic development. She's also an artist as well as an author, illustrator of several books for children and adults on intuitive intelligence. Her editorial art includes work for the New York Times and the New York Times Book Review. For more information, you can visit Elaine's website, which is www.elaineclayton.com, and that's E-L-A-I-N-E-C-L-A-Y-T-O-N.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Elaine to the show. Good day, Elaine. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. Thank you. It is a pleasure, and I always love talking empathy. <laughs> we need some, a lot more now, so um, hopefully today's show well, will, will get people. Yes, well, I, I think you bring so much, you know, with your show to inspire so many, so it's it's my favorite subject to talk about as well, so, you know, this this will be really fun. Good. So, you know, for the listeners who may not know what we're talking about as far as empath, um, can you um, give the listeners your understanding of what um, empath, you know, being an empath is and, you know, empathy and, and how it all fits together? Well, I love the way you asked that, my understanding, because that is what it is. You know, um, we each have our own sort of perception about what it what it might mean. Um, I think that an empath is someone who naturally doesn't just um, mentally think about what it might feel to be in someone else's position, but they, um, an empath actually really viscerally, physiologically feels it within their body, within their nervous system. Um, you can at times 
imagine, gosh, I, I don't know what it would be like to um, to go through what you're going through, but I can't imagine it, and even in the imagining it, become physically involved, you know. Um, so there's a logical way to, to be empathic, and then there's that other way where you literally are negotiating within your own body sensations that are brought on by emotional response to what you perceive are the other person's feelings and what actually may be absorbing some of what their feelings are. Because a lot of times someone approaches, and this is where the empathy versus being empathic kind of gets really juicy. So let's say I encounter you and you are smiling and we say hello and you say to me, um, how are you? And I go, yeah, I'm fine. And you say, oh, yeah, well, oh, well, um, no, really, how are you? You know, because maybe you feel, even though I'm presenting myself as okay, you can feel something just under the superficial. And mm-hmm. you you trust it because you feel it. And you're it's not so much what you're seeing, but you're just feeling it. And if I'm able to, then I may be able to validate what you're saying. And that may be the other way around, too, where I'm saying the same to you, you know, just kind of observing or I can't even put my finger on it, but I feel something around you that isn't explainable, but then I have to, if if we don't talk about what that may be, I then walk away and think to myself, what are the feelings I just got and why? Are they mine or were they that person's, you know? Does that make sense? There's there's a lot going on, you know. Well, yeah, you know, and see, that's, I mean, you, you kind of hit on two of the, what I consider is probably some of the biggest challenges for people who are empaths, is that first, that one, you know, is it mine or not? Now, like, as they say, in, in that initial meeting or greeting, when you feel that something is off, um, I would think that just the fact that you feel something completely different you know, than mm-hmm. before, you know, so so mm-hmm. that will kind of lend lend the idea to, well, that is the other person's feelings I'm picking up on. Um, but like you say, you know, if you walk away without addressing it, you know, you walk away and they don't, you know, kind of confirm what it is that you're feeling, um, then you do walk away with that wondering. Um, so, um when someone, you know, in that particular case, um, when someone is going through and um, I guess if they're empathic and they're picking up on someone else's feelings that, you know, they aren't theirs, um, is there a particular point where you just kind of let it go? I mean, are you able to kind of mm-hmm. go beyond that. Does that make any sense? Yes, yes. So I would say it comes in stages for the empath. A, a, um, a naturally sensitive person, when they're very young, they often they often seem like um, wide-eyed observers, you know, the children that are watching and maybe feel a little bit uh, to the side of what's going on. Um, and then that that sensitive um, absorption just kind of keeps happening in their lives, and they're not consciously 
aware that others aren't also doing that, but they're aware that they don't necessarily feel like they're part of the group and all that. And then as you get older, there's that magical moment, and maybe you remember having this, but there's, I remember. I think I, it took me a long time. I was probably 22 or something when I had this moment. Well, I had a, I had a great day. I was in a good mood. I had happy experiences. I came home, and I was overwhelmed with, like, a feeling of dread and upset. And, and I sat there, and I had a conversation with myself where I actually observed myself and said, why am I feeling this? And then it, it hit me. I, these aren't my feelings. That I was having a good day. So, so where did this come from? So that's the first step. Being consciously aware that, that this is a phenomenon that, that happens with, um, you know, being empathic. So then I was able to kind of fly over my day and revisit some of my encounters and I pinpointed places and moments where I think I, I didn't have time to think at the time, but where I picked up on challenges that were happening maybe for other people or in situations. Does that make sense? Um, you know, okay, so that's the first part. And then the second part is, um, so then you say, oh, I realize I do this. I realize I do this. Now what? Now how do I handle myself? And I think a lot depends on um, what our daily experiences are, where we are. So let's say we're in New York City. Um I mean, you're, you're absorbing or you're, you're noticing a zillion um, types of environmental overloads, right? I mean, you, you put yourself in a sealed position to just walk down the sidewalk because you can't, it's not all yours. You're not responsible for all of it, right? Um, in that case, you know, you're going to be defined somewhat by cultural survival tactics. I mean, you know, you just will, You'll have a you'll have an awareness that you have to put a sort of armor on just to walk down the sidewalk. Okay, then if you're somewhere else where you're, let's say you're teaching or or you're interacting with people in a very a little bit more of a limited, well not as populated, quieter, a little bit more you know defined um, situation, you then you then probably just have to. Um, Experience what you do, relate to others, but then you do have to check in with yourself. I have to check in with myself several times a day, whether I'm by myself or whether I have, you know, interactions with others, whatever is happening globally, you know, all the different factors. Um, I have to kind of meditate a little every every now and then throughout the day to bring myself back to um, who I feel I am without the um, input that I may have absorbed. So that's why yeah. I recommend doing some kind of meditative, um, I don't want to say, I don't know what the word is. It's not really like grounding exactly, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an intuitive conversation that allows you to accept that you do this and then, Find your place in it. And you're not responsible for everyone else's feelings. That comes with time, too, and some hard lessons to realize that, actually. Yeah, that would be, that would be a tough one because you're, if you're feeling, you know, those um, 
feeling, picking up on those feelings, then uh, if it's not handled, you know, in a healing way, then um, it just can, I would think, blow up, you know, uh, if it just builds up too much pressure. Mm-hmm. I think so. And I think when we're not conscious of it, it does a big uh, number on, on us, you know. So I like my own personal disposition is I I, um, I feel that we are in the presence of the of the source of all life and that there is a lot to this great mystery and we're here and we're physical and my own I wouldn't tell anyone else how to do it but I'll just share that my own way of handling a lot of it is to pray for other people um, take action when I feel that it's healthy for me I, I try not to judge people but maybe situations so there may be some situations that I feel like are toxic for me, are not okay for me, but I wish the person or the people or the system, could be a job, it could be a group of people, whatever, wish them well and have benevolent thoughts toward that, but it doesn't mean I have to be the, the fixer or the one who goes in and because I feel all the emotions or I, I perceive a lot doesn't mean I have to be the one to do that, you know. That's why I'm kind of uncomfortable with the term healer um, because healing comes through us, you know, it comes through everyone, it can come through everyone. But but then it makes me, the ego, say I'm the healer and I don't want to do that. I, I want to receive healing through me to others, but I don't want to think of myself as, that one, because then where do you draw a boundary? Yeah. And other problems. Yeah, it's got problems. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can understand that. You know, and and um, being the vehicle through which healing occurs, you know, is mm-hmm. um, to, have to say that you know every single time, which is the the way that it works. You know, I think people just flock to healer, you know, as, mm-hmm. as a recognition who, um, has, who recognizes that ability and is, you know, proficient in it. Right. There's, our, our language isn't always perfect. I just think I've um, decided that mm-hmm. I don't want someone to give their power over to someone, even if you went to a doctor and you had to have surgery, I mean, you you would you would advise yourself or others who in that position to learn as much as they can and advocate for their, themselves and kind of be in partnership with the person that you choose to to you know use their expertise for your benefit. But it's not like um, I think there's a tradition in in, a, in healing arts, especially in intuitive healing arts that where there's like a guru that knows and there and there are people that de- mm-hmm. devote their whole lives and they're very wise and we we do hear we do want to go listen to them and be you know uh, receive all that but um you don't need to be disempowered um you know we're all our own healers really i like to be a part yeah. of someone's but so I think that happens, though, but when you're younger as an empath, you might feel responsible. You literally do. Or your whole life as an empath because you can feel it so much. You hurt for people so much sometimes, and you want it to be better for them. 
So it's a case-by-case -case thing, I guess. You just realize what can I do and, and what is what is too much for me or, or where where do I need to back off and let other things come into play for that person or that yeah. place of business or that, yeah. Yeah, I think the way that you indicated how you do it by sending out, you know, thoughts of, um, I guess, I don't know what, what it would, would be, but thoughts of success for whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. with, um, without defining it, you know, what it would be, what it would look like, just the, the end result is it's good for the people. Whatever mm -hmm. that is, mm -hmm. and I think right. that way, then, then it's it's like you know the my thought is is that it it offers it up for all in a, in a positive way. It sends out that positive possibility, you know, in the realm of quantum possibilities. Um, but it also, um, it it's also the person receiving it is responsible, you know, whether or not you know to to accept to. You know, to grow from whatever, you know, whatever. So it's, it's a way to, I think, to send the best possible message without any judgment or attachment. Mm -hmm. Right. Attachment's real important. Detachment, not the, you know, the ego forms attachments. And, and I don't, I'm not saying, I, I really believe in that saying, don't stand idly by. That's a biblical. Mm -hmm. Torah thing, you know, don't don't just send thoughts and prayers only. I mean, there are times when that mm -hmm. is what you do because, like, I'm not in Ukraine right now, but what could I do, what, what can I do that might help affect change? I think it comes down to each person. Um, it's a little mix of everything. It is a mix for me of prayers, of of asking in prayer, actually, What's the best way I could affect change here? And, you know, my personality is I'm, I feel like sometimes I get into the fray and, and you know, participate in certain ways, and then other times my way of participating is through art, you know. Like I feel mm -hmm. like if you can touch someone's heart, maybe that ignites a flame, you know, a, a way of um, artists. Artists really do art to help get society to shift and I don't I'm not saying I'm this great society shifter I'm just saying in my way that's what I feel I do best you know is do something in the visual arts or of course writing to um to be supportive um but I'm not I may not always be the one um you know protesting in a riot or something like that I may not that may not work for me but when I was younger I would I would go to civil rights marches and things when Coretta Scott King was alive and you know and back in the day in Atlanta and all that I I was so proud to to um participate but I'm not that person anymore I'm a little older now and you know maybe there are other ways that I I've, I've learned I can help out I don't know what do you think what do you think is your best way as you've well, learned you over know, time yeah well I, I think you know your approach to asking what it is I can do is a to, to me it seems like it's a 
a good way to to recognize the individuality of what a person can do. I mean, and it can be as maybe as simple as sending loving thoughts and, and prayers. You know, and, and I know it's you know, um, and sometimes. But the fact is, is that you know, I believe. That, that there is an energetic energy to prayer and the, that, that it can help. Yeah. So that, you know, that, I mean, mm-hmm. it may be as simple as that or it may be, you know, actually getting out there and like some folks are, are, uh, you know, going over to Ukraine, you know, and that's wonderful that they, I believe you know, so. Yeah. Have, uh, mm-hmm. that they can do that, but that's, that's not my skill set at all, you know, so, um, but I think, you know, we just look individually. And, and like I said, you know, what, the way that you approach it, what is it I can do? And if you're, you know, smart enough to listen, you know, you'll, some ideas will come to you. Oh, I love that you said that because you do have to be in a mode to receive, right? And so we get quiet. That's where the quiet knowing comes in and where that intuitive, intuitive self-conversation, you know, like I said, checking in. Uh, I always advocate stream drawing. I can explain that in a minute, but it's a form of meditation where you're just almost in a stream. Well, you are in a stream of consciousness flow, so you receive. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, when I talked about, like, environmental conditions really affect how we um, shape ourselves any given day or, or period of time. Let's say I right now talking to you, I feel like I do – best for the world or for most situations by um, creating art and writing and all that. But like, you know, in Ukraine, let, let's say, or in, in another crisis, let, let's say something like that happened here, which I think it could, um, all of a sudden someone needs something to eat. They don't really need a piece of artwork. You know, they, it's actually your immediate needs are more important. So, Shelter, water, food, you know, like the immediate things. And always during uh, happy days of ours, someone's in that crisis where they need the basics. So collectively, if we help provide the basics for each other, we're, we're better off. But um, one of the things I think is the most beautiful thing about being empathic and the most fun and the most interesting is, is um, you know, when you talked about energy, you know, the, the prayers and thoughts aren't, that's not superficial. It actually, energy, we don't see it, but you when you project it forward, it does something. Um, that's the mystical and the unseen part of all this that I think is so wonderful. Like, you know, yesterday I thought about someone all day. I thought about them all day. And then I got caught up with this uh, dramatic weather and I was um, making sure, you know, getting, you know, involved with where is the storm and, oh, these poor people are having tornadoes and whatever. But today I I happened to have a um, conversation with the person that I thought about yesterday, and they said they had been thinking of me too, and they they kind of had a hard day, and I thought, I didn't, I didn't have to do anything but receive or just notice that I thought of her. You know what I'm saying? Like, felt it and thought to myself a few words to myself oh i'm thinking of so-and-so today um you know and then i had a benevolent kind of wish for that person and, and an intention to connect with them and tell them i've been thinking of you 
So little things like that happen all the time where you feel and think of someone and then they, it turns out they were thinking of you. They were in need of, in some way or they were, um, you know, or, or like, you know, everyone has this happen where you think of someone, maybe someone you haven't even talked to in a long time and then the phone rings and that's that person. You haven't talked to them in five years, but they called you right when you were thinking of them. So I think yeah, there is this mystical part, yeah, for for empaths, you know. It's a way of life, expecting and enjoying these, these things that aren't really obvious on the surface. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it certainly is. Um, it's an interesting life, you know, in the sense that, you know, you, you're recognizing that there is a definite something beyond sight, you know, that, um, or beyond the senses, five senses, um, that, that exists and we're a part of it. You know, and just recognizing that in itself is, you know, I think, um, it, it makes us so much more fun and interesting, really. Oh, I think so too. I live for it, like for the synchronicities and, you know, I mean, I find that, and I wrote about this a little bit in the Empath, The Way of the Empath book, how the five senses serve that other sense that, that isn't obvious. Um, you know, the quiet knowing and the intuitive knowing, uh, psychic sense and all that. The five senses serve it so well because um, we get triggered. By, well, it's like our personal soul um, portal to how, how we move around this earth life. Um, as a physical being, but we each have our own preferences and then we develop our own ideals and a lot of it is based on how we receive the universe around us through our five senses, right? So mm -hmm. when we know what things mean to us based on those five sense perceptions, whether it's hearing or smelling or tasting or touching, we, um, we develop our own way of uh, knowing the world, but also it, it, it gives us clues into things. Like, let's say you walk somewhere and all of a sudden you're overcome with a, there's a scent that reminds you of your grandmother or something. Um, not even sure where it just came from, but, but it took you there. It's like it made you time travel instantly. You know, you're, you're just, uh, maybe in the grocery store, but all of a sudden you were as if right back um, at your grandmother's when you were seven years old or something. Um, you know, so we we, uh, we do so much more with our five senses than just, you know, eat, sleep, and, I don't know, exercise or whatever. They're, they're, they're way more than serving us as animals, I guess. Is, I mean, they can help save our lives. If you're, if you're walking on a trail and you, yeah, you smell something very strong like um, – could be a bear, you know, an unmistakable other kind of animal scent or something, then, then that serves us because it's, it's like an instinctual thing. But there's that intuitive thing, too, where um, you, you receive and know and you're able to um, let those um, senses take you to deeper knowing. I don't know if I'm making sense the way I'm trying to describe it. Well, it does. But I, yeah. yeah. Well, Do you have any well, thoughts well, to yeah. that? 
Well, no, I, I agree. And, you know, it, it seems that um, the connector, there's an emotional connection um, to certain uh, experiences, you know, sen sensual in the sense, in the sense of um, experiences. And, you know, our, our senses, once we experience something, if we have a maybe a repeated or, a, or just a, uh, an, an intense emotional reaction, either be it, be it, you know, good or bad or perceived good or bad, you know, that, but there is that attachment that, you know, allows you 30 years later, you know, at the sense of, you know, a, a particular uh, fragrance that, you know, you need to transported, like you said, back to that particular time. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just, it, it, it just, I think, shows how um, our senses can um, be, be a trigger or be a, a, a spark, let's say, for, yes. you know, Kind of, mm -hmm. in a I, I think so. Yeah, and I think um, then when when it, how it serves you in a psychic capacity, an intuitive capacity, is let's say you and I are talking, and and you don't tell me what it is that's bothering you, but but you say I'm, something's bothering me. Well, will you do a stream drawing about it? Let's say, and I'm okay, sure. And that, in that process, I'm just closing my eyes, using my non-dominant hand and draw real freely and then, then gazing at the drawing. And I might say to you, well, I see an apple here. And then I would just describe to you a few things that um, are personal to me about apples, okay? It sounds wacky, but if I tell you one or two things that apples make me think or feel and things that I associate with them and what I – uh, remember about them, then it's a su it's subtle sometimes and sometimes not so subtle. But if I share that with you, almost always just the sharing of something that I receive sensorily over time connects to, in some way, to that concern that you have. And I don't know why that works, but I know that it does. <laughs> I mean, Intuition, like solving and healing, um, sorting through things that are hurtful or, or puzzling and, and um, can make us have negative emotions and all that, isn't hard. It, there's all those senses help us gather information that are that become personal, and then they become intuitive knowing also. And it's really fun to do experiments with that with people to show them how easy it is. To, to not even know what someone's problem is, but to be able to um, just open up that uh, intuitive, quiet knowing, and a lot of it comes by way of sensing through the five senses and other. Um, and then sharing it, the interaction of sharing is becomes real important. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about that in, in the second half of the show. So I want to take just a quick break, Elaine. And um, okay. then when we come, then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about art and then talk about the stream drawing. Okay. Okay, sure. I don't want to take two. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. 
just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Elaine Clayton, and we are talking about her work as well as her new book, The Way of the Empath, How Compassion, Empathy, and Intuition Can Heal Your World. Again, you can find out more about this and all about all of the other things that Elaine does by visiting her website, www.elaineclayton.com. And Elaine, we're back. Hi there. <laughs> I'm having so much fun talking with you, Robert. Well, thank you. I, I'm enjoying it as well. I mean, some really good information. And the the one thing that I love about when I when I look at your website, you know, with all of the different things from Reiki, children's books, spirit paint, you decide your diamond was. So many different facets. Um, oh, and I like so that. It seems, like, so, so it seems like you're uh, you're open to different types of opportunities or experiences. I think that's probably true. I wonder. You know, you can't really always tell how stuck you may ever be, um, or like limited in your repertoire of life experiences. In some ways, I'm probably not very open. I might be rigid in some ways in my personality. You know, I don't really know. I I ponder that sometimes, like, how would my life be different if I was really fluid in this or that way? But you know how it is. We develop and we, um, you know, do our best with the time we have. And and, um, I just, I love the healing arts. I've always, since I was young, I've always been one who draws. Um, I drew people and house floor plans that was my that was the thing I loved to do as a little girl but mostly it was people and I would make up people and observe people and people fascinated me you know like we all came from different families and different ways families were made up and people even had different clothes and you know I just was obsessed really with uh you know people's faces and their movements and even the space in between people that artist called mm-hmm. Negative Space. My first day of art school, the teacher talked about that space in between us that I had been 
so fascinated by since I was young, in school, not paying attention that much. And I couldn't believe it. I knew I was home. I was where? I was finally with my own people, you know. And um, and that was amazing because I never was able to talk about all that. My mind was doing all that, but I wasn't able to talk about it um, before that because I didn't even know what the words would be. Um, and so um, – yeah, I mean, I so all of the things that you see on my website really are in, under that umbrella of healing arts. I mean, the children's books aren't healing arts per se, but they're they're about wanting to create a world beautiful for children. You know, um, the inspiration to do children's books for every author and artist really has so much to do with wanting to provide for children. Um, things that will open their worlds for them. You know, you, you want you want them to feel inspired and validated and loved and all that. So in a way those are kind of healing arts works too. But um I I love the mystical, I love the way um art has changed my life and then I love things like Reiki because Reiki is helping get energy to flow, you know, in a way that will be beneficial for, for people. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, there's still more to do. What else should I try? You know, I don't know. Um, yeah. but, but but if opportunity presents itself and you're, you know, and you choose, then, then you go ahead and do it. So. I hope so. You know, a lot of times we say, uh, um, especially what about this, you know, um, at this age, I can be real limited in my, in my thinking. I can think, well, I would love to do this. And then a voice says, oh, but you're, you're, you know, at the age you are, you know, all the other voices come. So I really wonder. I really wonder. But mainly I think what's important is enduring what we have to do sometimes on our way to do the thing we would most love to do with our time. Yeah, exactly. I love the way you put that. Now, your art um, – I, I follow you on Facebook, or we're connected as friends on Facebook, and, and early in March, you, you posted a painting for um, International Women's Day, and it was uh, sort of praying for peace and, you know, hashtag, hashtag uh, Ukraine girl. So, anyway, it's a beautiful painting. When I look at it, it's, it's just, I mean, you can get lost in it, but tell us, uh, about the painting, uh, kind of, you know, what your thoughts were, you know, just how um, how it came to be. Okay. Well, that's really juicy question or, or prompt for me. Okay. So a couple things came into play. So um, several months ago, I was just minding my own business one morning, sipping cocoa. And you know how you can do tea leaf readings or – Sometimes you see the clouds and they speak to you in a certain way or whatever. I happened to notice on the inside of my cocoa cup, I saw two warships. You know how warships have those radars and things jutting up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I emailed my agent because she likes to talk to me about psychic things and my sisters and friends who bear with me and all that. And I said, oh, my gosh, I think we're going to have war. This is this is before any of this was happening, you know. I mean, I'm not saying – I think we knew for years Putin would do this, but I wasn't paying attention. 
anyway, when I saw those, it started uh, a lot of emotional energy and tension within me. And then I was hearing um, within a week or so um, military helicopters. And, again, this is before anything was being told to us. So by the time this invasion started, I, I had a lot of emotions, you know, had, that had built up. And when I paint, I, they're really like trance state works. I mean, I go, the whole thing's a prayer. I start painting. Uh, I'm an artist professionally. You know, I have a BFA and an MFA and all that. So I make decisions that you make as an artist, but, I'm, but I also just sort of don't know where a painting is going to take me. And I try to let them tell me what they are as much as, my ideas mm -hmm. consciously arriving on, you know, it's like a lot of what happens is surprising. I, it wouldn't be fun if it weren't, if it didn't have that kind of element of surprise. And that's been the case ever since I began drawing. Just something would happen and you go, oh, I didn't know that would look that way. Um, so I was painting and this thing was talking to me and it just came out. I, I don't even know all my feelings about Ukraine and at the time, you were seeing mothers fleeing with children, but the the fathers, the, the males, all had to stay behind unless, you know, unless they were hmm. also taking care of, you know, like a an aging parent or something. There was there were lots of people that stayed, as we know, and they've been, a lot of them have died, you know. Um, I, I was so overwhelmed with the feeling of um, coming of age. And and then being being shot down and, and Lindsay Adario for the New York Times took that photo of the family that was blasted, you know, and they just they looked like they were sleeping on the ground. I don't know if you saw that that photograph. It was so sad to see this family, um, a mother and her daughter and her son, and they the impact just knocked them to the ground and they died. And um and I, I thought years ago I had painted, I kept painting Anne Frank when I was probably 19 or so because my what haunted me the most about Anne Frank was that she never got to fully flower as a woman. That, that just was so poignant and hurtful to me to think that you would bud and be this beautiful thing on the planet and then never be able to open as a flower and live your life. That just really was sad to me. And so, um, you know, this thought that there were girls that were in boys, it's not a gender specific really, but just symbolically that, that feminine aspect came, uh, you know, out of me. And, um, and it symbolized life and and that we should, that everyone has a birthright to live and to fully express and to experience and this being violently cut short. Um, and then it became even more poignant because um, a Facebook friend of my agent's, who is now my Facebook friend, was keeping everyone updated. She had to flee with her daughter. Um, but they didn't flee Ukraine until, you know, after a lot. I mean, it was very dodgy getting out. Um, I think they had yeah. tried to stay as long as they could, right? And so um, that that painting will will be going to her for her and mm -hmm. to really as a gift to her daughter 
they're safe in Poland now. Wow, that's a, that's a beautiful gift. Um, and uh, you know, it's you know, to me, it, in addition to having the yellow and the blue Ukrainian aspect, but it, you know, it has that red energy for the kind of for the war that's going on. You know, t- to me, this um, event, you know, or is going to have so many traumatic ripple effects, you know. I mean, from the, the young children to, you know, even to the old, to the old. Um, you know, that it's, you know, it, it just is really sad to see that we can, we're still doing this to ourselves, you know, in a way. I know. Um, and, it's just, and there will be generational yeah. trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For generations. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in Torah it says you have to have, I want to say, what's the number? I'll, I'll mess it up here. I don't know if it was four generations or seven. I'll have to look it up and get back to you. But it takes many generations to get trauma out. And if you keep being oppressed, like in cases like slavery and then, you know, uh, Segregation, where trauma just keeps being uh, inflicted, yeah. generations and generations. Same thing with the Holocaust. If your grandmother was great grandmother, I mean, you, it takes a very long time. So he, you're right. Why are we still doing this? And I, I think you make such a beautiful point, Robert, because I think most people don't want us to keep doing this. Weren't you so moved when you saw how the Ukrainians? When they captured the Russian soldiers early on, they had them call their mothers. I know. That was brilliant. I I cried. It was human. I know. It was, exactly. It was. was, was, That's who we really are. You know, that's who we really are. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, treating prisoners... You know, obviously a lot of them are very young, um, treating them humanely. You know, I mean. I know. hope so. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm hoping. But, again, this is one of those events. Um, you know, and, and the pandemic was also, a, you know, a paradigm changer, you know, in many ways. So yeah. it's it just living in time, times that are challenging our very foundation, you know, getting Yes, and it should be. Yeah, I mean, have you ever spent time, like, with Hopi prophecy and, you know, I mean, I, I had a Cherokee mentor for years. I grew up reading Edgar Cayce books. Edgar Cayce's books were around the house, and he talked about wow. um, the pole shift and earth changes Back in the 20s, he would go into a trance state. He was known as a sleeping prophet, and people would ask him questions in the trance state, and he would answer in ways that he never would have in his waking hours. Sometimes he was dismayed by the things he said when he was in his trance state. But a lot of what he said has captured me my whole life because one of the things he said so long ago was we would have a pole shift. And, I, you know, science ignored as far as, popular culture no one talked about there's going to be a pole shift and now you can look at you can go on nasa's website and see how the magnetic you know the poles are shifting you know they're they're out of balance and then the earth changes he talked about extreme weather extreme nature events like volcanoes and earthquakes he talked about um war and terrorism and all these things that they would happen when the shift was coming and 
a lot of my art for the last um, 15 years has been about that, about earth changes. That's the title of um, a lot of the paintings, you know, in, in um, a series that is kind of ongoing. And no one was really talking about it until it got so – I mean, I would show the paintings and say we're getting so polarized, and it wasn't really in the conversation until it became way more extremely obvious with our political climate and everything. And um, so it's like we're, we are polarized, you know, um, and our weather is extreme and our nature is extreme and war can be extreme, and it's all forcing change or making us look at stuff and – Plagues will do that too, and it all—it forced us inside. It forced us to break a lot of our um, patterns and habits and things. So, um, you know, what I'm wondering is, what next? What next? <laughs> I know, I know. This you know, there will be a. <laughs> May we have uh, love and grace as we go through whatever this is. You know. Because right now, Armageddon did come to Ukraine. It came. For them, it was real. I mean, it was. It is. It's real. It's like literally being bombed. That felt like Armageddon. I'm sure it still does to anyone enduring it in real time. And here I am sitting peacefully with the gift of being able to talk to you. And I don't know what that feels like, but gosh, talk about impasse. You know, do we really know what that feels like? Oh, I know, boy. Yeah, I bet the energy is just heavy. But you know, it, it's you know, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, again, it's, it's getting us to to look at at life differently. You know, things that we we hold important. You know, this obviously is for people like you just mentioned who are not in such dire straits. Um, be grateful for what it is that you have. You know, I mean, it kind of mm-hmm. gives you that. Mm-hmm that perspective to look at it, you know, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, you know, it, it, you know, there's this hell. But, boy. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I want, before um, we close, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about, and, you know, and it kind of, we dealt with it somewhat through the show, but I want to kind of do it directly. And, you know, the idea of protecting oneself, you know, as part of your book, um mm-hmm. So, uh, can you tell us that, first of all, what, what do we need to protect ourselves from? And if we, if that, if there's something that we need to protect ourselves from, why go there? (laughs) Right. Well, I agree with all that. In fact, I had written in my sketchbook when I was meditating before our talk, I wrote, what's the threat? So that would be the first thing we would determine to ourselves. Sometimes we just feel so much fear. What is the threat? Now, sometimes someone is in a real threat, a real threatening situation. If you're empathic and you want everyone to be better, usually most empaths have a story about when they were, you know, with someone they shouldn't have been with and it was dangerous or it was unhealthy or it was it was a crisis because they really had wanted to save them or whatever. They didn't realize it or, or whatever. So there are times when actually there is a threat, and that should be determined. Is there a threat? And really decide in a practical way, what do I do about it? Um, so that can be something that turns someone's life upside down or make them have to make a real brave decision 
to make a change to get away from what could be literally a threat. Um, other times, if there's energy that just doesn't feel compatible, doesn't feel mm -hmm. healthy, that feels like a threat to the body. You know, if, if you're with someone and they're making you feel uncomfortable or they present situations that get you in a bind, Let, let's say you – you're with someone and they like to light fires, I mean, or they like to uh, do drugs while they're driving or something, you know, that isn't safe for you. You could put it on that physical level or it could be just an emotional thing that something about the quality of the time and the, and the situations that they play out don't feel good for you, then, then you, you get to have authority over your domain, what, what you allow in your presence, you know, in your own home and all that, and in your relationships. So um, I, I think that it's not about saying there is great forces of evil that we must protect ourselves from, because I'm, I'm with you. I don't allow, I won't allow that kind of shadow. I don't, I disallow what I feel would be that negative. I, you know, I, I call in the light. I don't want to have, I don't want to waste my time with what might be considered evil. That doesn't mean I don't sometimes think of something as evil, but I don't want to run toward it. I don't want to allow it in my sphere of, you know, my mm -hmm. experience, if that makes sense. Um, but because empaths do absorb the energy, that's, that's a power tool on one hand, and that can be something that depletes. And, again, um, when you, if you are in touch with yourself and you are enjoying that you're empathic, and you check in with yourself a few times a day empathically, intuitively, then you will know when you get an, an inner knowing kind of influx. Let's say you go somewhere and you don't feel a good vibe, and you say to yourself inwardly, I don't feel a good vibe. Why? You don't always know why. The brain takes a while to figure it out. But it's okay these days. If you don't feel, if you feel unsettled somewhere, it's okay to leave. You don't have to stay somewhere. It might be that you're being guided not to be where something could happen these days, right? The right. point would be to stay in touch intuitively with what the messaging is because we are trained to ignore it. We're never told to listen inwardly in school or anything. I mean, we're getting better at that, you know. Um, you know, and mindfulness practices, that's been around for a long time. I, I actually know a teacher who first started doing that with the students many years ago. Um, and so now it's, you know, she worked with the Dalai Lama to kind of help get this into the mainstream. So thank God, you know, we have um, a, a feeling of helping young children kind of go and be centered and yoga happening and whatever helps people pay attention inwardly. But otherwise, you know, you might just envision a shield around yourself so that you feel like you don't have to absorb everything. Um, you can go into a place and, and just be there and do what you need to do, wish everyone well, but you don't have to absorb anything in there. Just go and do what you need to do kindly, you know. Um, sometimes I talk about there's a Native American, you know, Native American animal wisdom. Um, so when you encounter an animal, let's say you see a fox or you see a, a, a bird, a certain kind of bird or something, they give you their medicine, their gifts, their knowledge. And um, and it's really fun to try to learn a little bit about that. It's, it's so respectful of 
nature and the earth and everything. And one of the principles of, of the animal fox is invisibility. So um, you could try, you could be playful and go somewhere like the fox would, and you can be present without being seen. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, next time you have to go somewhere, just imagine that you're really not being seen. It's kind of fun mm-hmm. to do. Um, if you're at the dentist's office, you, you do need them to see you so that they'll call your name and, and the whole thing. Um, but, yeah. you know, you could still sort of pretend to be invisible and just <laughs> see how that works. We, 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 don't, we don't give the imagination enough credit. Only little kids know how well it works. But it's part of your visionary um, skills. You know, you can actually envision with your imagination and a thing comes about. You can actually pretend, and we discount that, but you pretend something and it's creative visualization. You can create it to actually be. So I don't know if I answered your question. I went around in a lot of circles there. You did, but that was great because there was a lot of information in that. Um, unfortunately, it's getting left to the end of the show. Um, so um, there are a lot of things that I'd like to talk about, but the uh, the listeners can go ahead and get your book, The Way of the Empath. Um, and the other ones were like a serial realm. I enjoyed that section. Um, the empathic drawing and uh, the dream helper circles are some of my favorite uh, chapters. Oh, yes. Book, so. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned the dream helpers because that's Henry Reed who's devoted his life to intuitive studies. Dr. Henry Reed, he's, he's really given us a lot of um, awesome material. So he has to be acknowledged for his life's work. Well, great. Well, um, Elaine, if there's any maybe final words um, you'd like to say to the listeners or maybe something we didn't cover that you really want to kind of get out there, what would would that be? Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm so grateful, and I'm grateful to everyone I've ever known and that they've had to be with me during different stages of maturation when, you know, I'm – times when I wasn't empathic towards someone or times when their um, what they taught me gave me so much. And so this book isn't really about a competition for who's an empath and who isn't and all that. We're all somewhere on the way. And hopefully I believe life is to learn how to love more deeply. Um, and as imperfect as I know I am, hopefully – with the help of many people around me and those I encounter, um, and those I have relationships with, hopefully I'm learning from them all. Um, and, you know, I would just say empower yourself by loving yourself. Forgiveness is really important. And, and uh, create as much as you can with knowing that you're the only you that ever was and ever will be. And so what you have to give the earth is one time only through you. And so make the best of it because it won't get done the way it can through you. Right, exactly. Well, thank you, Elaine, for your time today. Now, again, we're connected on Facebook. So those listeners who use Facebook and would like to connect with us, feel free to do so there. And I I look forward to following your journey and seeing more of your art. It's, It's really beautiful. Well, and likewise, I'm so lucky to follow you, and um, I will look for you later today. I'll go online and look for you and say hello. That sounds great. So, um, again, thank you for your time. Uh
Today, my special guest is then Elaine Clayton. Uh, we've been talking about her work as well as her new book, The Way of the Empath, How Compassion, Empathy, and Intuition Can Heal Your World. And it's available in all book outlets. Um, you can find out more by visiting Elaine's website, which is www.elaineclayton.com. And for, uh, I'd like to thank you for listening to us. And um, until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.